friends, go ahead and uh, make your way back to your seat there, if you would. It is so good to see you this morning. Man, it's just good to be in church, you know? I know I need to be here, uh, being with you all, sitting under the teaching of the Word, um, worshiping God, just kind of recalibrates my heart and my life. I need that every week, and uh, I imagine you do as well. But it is good to see you today. We're on day eight of this 30-day challenge that, that we've begun. And it's not too late to jump in. Um, if you're not getting those uh, eternity texts every day, you can still sign up for that. Uh, if you're not in a small group yet, you can still get in. Pastor Jay leads one uh, on Monday nights in the cafe at 7 o'clock, and I know he would love to have you join him for that. What we're doing in this challenge is, is we're reminding ourselves as followers of Jesus of the truth and the reality that this life is not all there is, right? This life is not all there is, and it's so easy to lose sight of that in the dailiness of our lives, and uh, so it's good and important that we understand this. And I don't know about you, but what I'm finding is that as I try to live my life keeping one eye on eternity, it's affecting me. It's affecting my, my responses and my reactions to things. So I get up in the morning, and I look at my iPad, I look at the weather, and I see that it's snowing again and like 12 degrees, and just as I'm tempted to whine about the weather in Ohio, I think to myself, this isn't going to last forever. This is a, a blip on the screen of eternity. The weather in heaven will be sunny and 75 every day for billions of years. So praise God. I love that this life is not all that there is. Lately, uh, my son and I have been going around uh, visiting different colleges, and I, I find myself thinking, hmm, I know this college choice is important for his future here in this life. I wonder if this decision will impact eternity somehow, the, the things that he learns, the friends that he makes, the experiences that he has in college. I just realized I need to be, be praying more about this than, than I've been praying. I turn on the news, and I see that ISIS beheaded 21 Egyptian men just because they're Christians, just because they're followers of Jesus. And I think, that is just horrible. I mean, that's a travesty. That's just awful. And I feel for their families who must be devastated. And then I think, well, while all that is true, if eternity is real, then those men just got ushered into the presence of their Lord and Savior, Jesus, and each one of them will receive a martyr's reward that they'll get to enjoy forever. So you see how this, you know, it just affects everything as we start to think about our lives in comparison to eternity. It, it changes us. I'm coming to believe that seeking to live my life in light of eternity is going to change a lot of things. The great apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, our light and momentary troubles, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. We gaze at the invisible, for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. That's deep, isn't it? There's a lot there. 
when we think about this man, Paul, and his life and ministry and what we know about him, we know that his ministry life was extremely challenging, that other people in his shoes, in his situation, might have just kind of crumbled under all of the pressures that he faced. Think about it. Perilous travels, hostile crowds, friends who'd turned on him, people questioning his motives, churches, congregations that he had founded, uh, disappointing him. He had some rivals in ministry who were seeking to, to belittle him and tarnish his reputation. And of course, there was the constant demonic oppression that he experienced. All of that together, compounded, would be enough to cause a man to get so disheartened that he might just want to cash out and go home. <laughs> He'd say, I'm done with all of that. And yet not Paul, not Paul. Even though he was taking a pounding on the outside, he said, my inner man is being renewed every day. And what was it that was refueling his soul that, that kept him in the game? Well, he tells us, focusing on the things that are invisible, that are unseen, and having an eternal perspective about things. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want us to explore that very thing, living our lives in light of eternity. Now, I know that uh, last week many of you were not able to, to make it, so I want to review a little bit. And um, we just introduced a prop to kind of help us think about our lives with respect to eternity. And so if you were here, we have the rope, right? And uh, we, we said, well, let's let this rope represent eternity. Let's imagine that it just goes on and on and on and on and on and wraps around the world a few times, and it represents eternity. And that uh, the, the rope itself represents your existence. It's a timeline for, for your existence. And this little red part represents your existence here on the earth. Your 70 to 80 years here compared to eternity. And it just kind of puts it all in perspective, right? And we, we talked about the fact that so many of us, you know, like right here, are all consumed with what life's going to be like right here. Or, or when we're right here, we're thinking, you know, I, I want to have a great life here. But when you think about it, that's kind of short-sighted, isn't it? I mean, what about here? What about here? And what about here? And what about here? And what about here? And so we've got to think about our, our time differently than maybe we're accustomed to thinking about it. In his book titled Forever, Paul Tripp, who's a good gospel guy, wrote this. He said, we were hardwired for eternity. We were made to live forever. Eternity lives and longs inside of us. There is simply no escaping it. We sought to understand three truths about this last weekend. The first one was this. This life is not all there is. The second one was the next life will dwarf this life in terms of its duration. And the third truth was this, there's a one-way link of impact, a one-way link of impact between now and eternity. In his little book, A Life God Rewards, which I recommend to you today, Bruce Wilkinson said this, between your life on the earth and every later event in your life for eternity, there is an invisible one-way connection. Your choices on earth have direct consequences for your life in eternity. And so everything you do today matters forever. 
Today I want to challenge you with one key aspect of what it means to have that mindset, to live with eternity in view. Here it is. It's on your little uh, outline there in the box. Living in light of eternity means increasingly focusing on those things that will last forever. Let me say that again. Living in light of eternity will incre- will means increasingly focusing on those things that will last forever. I say increasingly because I believe as we grow older in this life, this perspective can more readily come into view. Let me explain what I mean. Many of my friends now are in their late 40s and early 50s. And I've noticed an interesting phenomenon in this stage of our lives. As our kids have grown up, and uh, many of them you know, moved out of the house, some of them now have children of their own, we, my friends and I, find ourselves brought face to face with this reality. Most of our life on earth is behind us. We've lived most of our days. We're out of halftime. It's third quarter action for us. We're out of the locker room. We're in the second half. Now, I take great comfort in the fact that the game is won or lost in the fourth quarter, right? (laughs) We've already lived the majority of our lives here on the earth, and that is very sobering for me and my friends as we think about this. Listen, I'm closer to eternity than those of you who are in your 20s and 30s and 40s. I'm not as close as as those of you who are in your 60s and 70s and 80s. But I'm breathing down your neck. I mean, I'm I'm chasing after you. (laughs) And as a result of, of where we're at in our life stage, it's seeming more natural to me to think about using the balance of my days that I have left. I don't know how many that will be, but to use those to invest in the things that are going to last forever. I mean, that are going to matter beyond this life. It's just, I didn't think that way in my 20s much or my 30s, but I'm thinking more that way now. Paul was about 60 when he wrote about his quest to live the remainder of his life with eternity in view. And, And for him, essential to that was how he trained his mind to think. He said, I'm I'm fixing my gaze, I'm fixing my attention, not on the things I can see anymore, but on invisible realities, the unseen, the things that will last forever. So this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about four things that will last forever. Four things to fix our gaze on if we want our eternity to be fruitful and productive a hundred billion years from now, okay? What is eternal? What will last forever? What will outlive this life? Number one, God. God is eternal. No beginning, no ending. God will never die or cease to exist one day. God is eternal. Think about that. It's hard, isn't it? I love this verse from Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The everlasting arms. Don't you like that? God is eternal. David wrote, the Lord is king forever and ever. His term will not ever expire. The nations will perish from his his land. Jesus 
Revelation said this, I am the living one, I was dead, and behold, I am alive, how long? Forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Listen, living for what is eternal, first and foremost, means living for God. Because God is eternal. The eternal God. Think about it. Anything and everything you do to nurture and grow your relationship with God will bear fruit for eternity. Because that relationship is forever. Now, it should be said, we talk about relationship with God, that the only way a person can have a relationship with God is through faith in Jesus Christ, right? That's the only way that that is opened up to an individual. There is no other way. Jesus himself said, I am one of many ways. No, he said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me, the mediator. That's what Christ said. That's where Christians part ways with every other world religion. And, and holding to that, holding to the exclusivity of Christ, might get you killed one day, the way things are going. But you know what? Once a person does transfer their trust, transfer it from self to Jesus, that is a game changer, isn't it? Because an eternal relationship begins in that moment a relationship that will never end. And what happens in that moment is that God changes his stance towards that person who believes from condemning judge to rewarding dad. And that's why it's a game changer. It really is. And that relationship will last forever and ever and ever. So, to live in light of eternity means to invest in your eternal relationship with the eternal God. To hear him, to submit to him, to trust him, to love him, to follow him, to seek to please him, to magnify him, to glorify him, to honor him, to worship him, to be consumed by him, and to point other people to him. Fixing your eyes on what is unseen means focusing your attention on God. Living with eternity in view means nourishing and nurturing your eternal relationship with God. What will last forever? God will last forever. Let me ask you a question. How's your relationship with God these days? I mean, I mean how, how is your walk with the Lord? Is it close? Is it distant? Are you recovering? Are you far from God? Man, he's made every provision every provision for you to be close with your eternal Father in heaven. God will last forever. The second thing that will is his word. Not only God, but the words that God has spoken to us in the Bible. Isaiah wrote, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands. How long? Forever, forever. Jesus said it this way, heaven and earth will pass away. Think about that. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. They will outlive and outlast this present earth. God's word will last forever. That means that every time you come to church and hear the word of God taught with your heart ready to 
listen and learn, your heart soft towards the things of God, that's going to bear fruit for eternity. It means that every time you set aside some quiet time to be with the Lord, to open up your Bible, to discover God's truth, and you let the Spirit take the word off the page and embed it into your heart, that will bear fruit a hundred billion years from now because God's word endures forever. It means that whenever you listen to a sermon podcast from a preacher who is rightly dividing the word of truth, and handling God's word carefully and correctly, and you let that word penetrate your heart and change you, the fruit of that is going to last forever. It means that when you take a moment to share God's word with somebody else, maybe pray his word over them, or counsel them with his word, or post a scripture on Twitter or on Facebook that's going to help somebody, or teach the word to children or teens or young adults, or mentor someone in the Bible, that transfer of truth will be an investment in your eternity and in theirs because the word of God endures forever, forever. It's an investment that will yield eternal returns. It means that whenever you listen to the word of God, by the way, if you haven't done this yet, I came across a great app for your phone or your iPad or whatever. It's called the Daily Audio Bible. You want to Google that or pull up the app, the Daily Audio Bible. If you're an audio learner like I am and you like to listen to the Word of God, it's a good chunk, a good portion every day, about 15 or 20 minutes of just the Word. And it goes through the Bible in a year. Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, Psalms, really good. Whenever you read the Word, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, share it with someone, or use the Word to refute false teaching, that time and effort spent taking God's word seriously is seen by the eternal God who spoke that word. And he will give rewards to you forever for honoring his word. So, what lasts forever, Steve? God, his word, third, people. Human beings will endure forever. Isn't that true? Is that what the Bible teaches? We have beginnings, we have conception, but we don't have an end, according to the word of God. People will last forever. John wrote this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean those people will cease to exist? No. Matthew 25, 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. Everyone will endure forever, somewhere. 1 John 2.17, the world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Hey, any introverts in the room? Introverts, raise your hand. <laughs> Not like, you know. You're embarrassed to raise your hand. You know, I think introverts often get a bad rap. Really. I've taken the Myers-Briggs inventory probably five or six times, and every time I take it, I always score high on introversion. And when I tell people that, they're always either surprised, or if they're an introvert, they give me kind of this nod of affirmation and a fist bump like, yeah, <laughs> introverts are what it's all about, right? Or, if they're an extrovert, they express something that I would call more like pity. Like, 
I'll pray for you, you know. You, you obviously need help. Listen, it's not that introverts don't like people. It's just that we need some time alone to recover if we're with you for too long, okay? <laughs> don't take it personally. It's just the way we're wired. you got to realize introverts care. Introverts love people too. They just express it differently. Now, I just threw all that in there. That's not in the Bible. That's just Steve talking, okay? But here's my point. Whether you're an extrovert and this comes easily and naturally to you, or whether you're an introvert and you got to work hard at it, whatever you do to invest in relationships with people, that's going to matter forever. That's going to have eternal ramifications because people will last forever, forever. You've never looked into the eyes of an individual who's not going to be somewhere 100 billion years from now. It's amazing. I got to thinking about this. One of the most eternity-impacting choices with respect to this that we all face has to do with how we view money relative to how we view people. And really, the, the question boils down to this. Will I use people to accumulate more money or will I use money to invest more in people? Big choice in this life that we all face. And a primary consideration in how you answer that question should be, which of them will last forever? Money or people? Answer, the eternal souls of men and women. Money will have no value to you in eternity. Did you know that? And just to kind of prepare you for that, money is quickly losing its value here. <laughs> Every day it seems like it's worth less and less. But relationships with people will matter to you immensely 100 billion years from now as eternity is just getting started. Think about that. In fact, who will even be there with you in eternity is affected by how you use your money now. Did you know that? Jesus himself said as much right after he told the parable, the story of the shrewd manager. I don't know if you've ever read that or not. It's in Luke 16, but he closed that story with this statement, Luke 16, 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it, worldly wealth, is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, Wise people leverage whatever financial resources they have in this life to help as many people as possible make it into heaven, which will last forever. In that moment, when your spirit slips through the curtain that separates time from eternity, I wonder, what would it feel like if you were met on heaven's shore by a welcoming committee? She's here! He's here. <laughs> I'm talking about people who, who are grateful to see you, who are waiting there to greet you, tears streaming down their face, thanking you profusely because you chose to use your money here on the earth to help them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so they could believe and be saved and spend eternity with God's eternal family in heaven. What would that be like to have people welcoming you? I'm so glad to see you. People you knew, people you did not know on the earth, people who live in Gehanna, Columbus, 
Wasanonos, Uganda, France, Kenya, a welcoming committee of people whose eternity was impacted because of choices you made in this life to leverage your financial resources for forever. Wouldn't that be awesome? Listen, thousands of people are impacted through the ministries of this church. That means every time you give in the offering to support God's work here, you have a part in helping the eternal souls of thousands of people enjoy the Lord and each other for eternity. You got to know that. And one day they will thank you. So God is eternal, His Word is eternal. And the eternal souls of people won't ever die, won't ever cease to exist. Everyone will exist forever. So, every time you simply care for someone with the love of Jesus, that will matter forever. Every time you give something away to bless somebody in Jesus' name, that will be rewarded for eternity. Every time you pray with someone, like we just did a few moments ago, every time you invest in a relationship, every time you love people or listen to them, or take a meal to them, or show hospitality, or shovel their driveway in the wintertime. You don't think about it like this, but that, that matters forever. Somebody's recording that. Every time you forgive someone who wronged you, every time you let an offense go because you recall that Jesus died for their sins too, and you let it go. Every time you do the hard work of resolving a conflict or restoring a, a relationship that's fractured, that's come apart, it not only matters in this life, but it matters for the next one as well, which will far outlast this life. And even if your efforts here and now in that little 70, 80 years don't appear to be fruitful, remember that God sees what you did, and he will not forget it in eternity. God, his word, people. One last thing I'm going to mention is, is one we alluded to last week. What else lasts forever, Steve? Well, your eternal rewards in heaven. The, the reward of your inheritance will last forever. Do you remember from Romans 8, our study in that chapter, how it said that we who are the children of God are also heirs with Christ? That our Father has an inheritance waiting for us in heaven one day. Remember that? Just to refresh your memory on the teaching of the Scripture, let me read from 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. Praise God for His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept, reserved in heaven for you. Hebrews 9, Therefore he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised, what? Eternal inheritance. Colossians 3.24, From the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So here again is the promise that all true believers in Jesus will receive a wonderful inheritance that is reserved for us in heaven. It will be extremely valuable to us. It will be part of our reward, it says, and you'll be able to enjoy it forever. 
As such, it will be unlike anything that we acquire or possess here on this earth, right? Here, everything eventually fades, right? Everything eventually loses its luster here. And you heard me say it before, that thing that you dreamed about having for years and years and years that you finally were able to obtain, you know this is true, right? Within a short time, there's going to be a newer, shinier model coming out. It'll have a dozen more options than the one that you have, and your coworker is going to get one, or your neighbor, and you're going to be looking at yours going, <laughs> I need to get a new one. I remember years ago here at the church office when we upgraded from 386 computers to 486 computers. You were here. I mean, some of you don't even know what that language means. Like, what? Oh, it's a big deal to go from three, a 386 to a 486. It's like, woohoo! Those things were lightning fast, I'm telling you what. <laughs> and the tech who installed it, I remember he looked at us and said, you know, you're set now. This thing has like 64K of RAM. You'll never need more than that. Never. <laughs> What happened? Within six months, we're like, you know, sadly outdated now. Whatever's after 486, we got to start investigating that. It happens. Just imagine getting to heaven one day by the grace of God, which is the only way anybody gets to heaven, by the grace of God. And they're receiving an inheritance that will never, as it says, never perish, spoil, or fade, never need updating or upgrading or replacing. Imagine having eternal possessions, Jesus said, of your very own that you get to keep. He called it treasure in heaven that you will enjoy more and more and more as eternity progresses, not less and less and less. Praise God for this teaching. Friends, living in light of eternity means increasingly focusing, focusing the attention of your life on the things that will last forever. God, His Word, people, and your eternal rewards that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Your inheritance. Now, some of you are really, really sharp. And you're looking at those four things that will last forever and the wheels are spinning in your mind, and you're thinking, hey, you know what? I, I, I could connect all four of those things together now. I could leverage the remainder of my days, I could leverage the remainder of my life to help eternal people know the eternal God through his eternal word so that I and they will enjoy eternal rewards forever. That would truly be leveraging, leveraging your life for that which matters most, right? Investing heavily in the things that last forever. I hope at least some of you will get that and, and, and you'll say, that's what I want to be about. If I'm not about anything else, if I don't make a billion dollars here, that's okay, as long as I help people know God through His Word. That's going to matter forever. Forever. As I said, Paul Tripp, the guy who's been here, it's helped us a lot. He wrote a book titled Forever. And uh, he, in that book, he talks about something that he calls eternity amnesia. <laughs> he says, you can know that you've contracted an acute case of eternity amnesia if you rarely ever think about life beyond the grave. 
If you lose sight of the reality that this life is not all there is and you focus exclusively on the little red tip of the rope and you never think about all of the rest, you've got eternity amnesia. And he says that's going to have some consequences in your life, most likely. And he lists some in his book. Consequences like unrealistic expectations. When we forget forever, we're, we're, we're asking often this present world to be something for us that it simply cannot be. It can't. He said it leads to, to focusing too much on self because we can easily begin to think that we're at the center of the universe in our little lives and that everybody and everyone should revolve around us and our needs and our wants and our desires and we forget that we were actually created and redeemed to live for something huge, much larger than ourselves. When we have eternity amnesia, when we're afflicted with that, we often ask too much of people, don't we? I mean, we, we want them to be something for us that they can't be. We want them to usher in the paradise that our heart craves, and they can't do it. That's not going to be fully realized until eternity. When we suffer from eternity amnesia, we often fear loss of control. We can feel as if somehow life is passing us by and, and we need to manipulate people and circumstances to get them to do for us what we desire before it's too late. When we have this affliction, we can, we can question the goodness of God. If we're just thinking about this piece right here and things get unpleasant or hard, we can start thinking, well, God's not really for me. You know, God's not really loving towards me because our perspective is so myopic. When we have eternity amnesia, we can live as if life doesn't have any consequences, that we forget that a day of final reckoning, a day of final evaluation is coming after this life. And all of that can weaken our motivation and siphon off our hope. And I would add one more. I think when we forget about eternity, what will happen in this life is that we'll shrink back from taking risks for God. We won't take many risks for God. After all, if all we can see is this life and the here and now, then doing something for God that carries some risk, like potentially losing comfort or convenience or security, losing that for something we can't touch and we can't see doesn't make sense. And so we just live our lives playing it safe and not risking for God. But Tripp notes in his book, and I would agree that we can be cured from eternity amnesia and need to be. That God's Holy Spirit, through God's Holy Word, can open our eyes to the reality of forever beyond this life. As a kid, I remember hearing an old Southern Gospel song. For some reason, 40 years later, 50 years later, I still remember the words. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. In one of his most famous quotes, C.S. Lewis absolutely nailed it, I think, when he wrote this. If I find in me, in myself, a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world absolutely correct you were made for another world 
made for eternity. The writer of Ecclesiastes said it this way, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. It's in us, isn't it? We long for something more, something greater, something better. People who have been cured of eternity amnesia tend to see themselves in this life not so much as settlers here, but as pilgrims. Pilgrim mentality. I'm passing through here. I'm not getting too attached to the things of this world that are going to fade away like the 386s and the 486s and everything else that's come along since then. I'm going to realize that my choices now are going to impact forever, and I'm going to send as much on ahead of me as possible into eternity for treasure in heaven. As the famous saying goes, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's true. It's sobering, isn't it? Think about that. Living in light of eternity means increasingly focusing on those things that are going to last forever. God, his word, people, and your internal inheritance in heaven. You know, our Lord Jesus, when he was here, the Lord's amazing, isn't he? He taught us and he showed us how to live in light of eternity. He lived that way. And then, knowing how far short we would fall of living that way, he willingly laid down his life to cover our failures, our sins. I mean, just, just thinking about that should melt our hearts, don't you think? He would do that for us. Seriously? He rose from the grave. He ascended back into heaven. He sent his spirit to come and indwell his church, his people, his body. And now that same spirit seeks to empower us to live Jesus' life every day, wherever we are. You know one of the most frustrating ways you can live your life is? And I I know people like this. Trying to live the Christian life without Christ. <laughs> Trying to be this, you know, what, good, moral, upright person and, and come to church and speak the language, speak Christianese and, and, and try to, you know, that's a word, by the way, Christianese. Try to, try to, you know, grind out some love <laughs> every now and then apart from having the Spirit of Christ indwelling you. That is so frustrating to try to live this life that God's called us to apart from daily, moment by moment, dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And we sing the song, right? Every day I need you. That's why we sing it. It's like, I gotta have you. Spirit of God, really, you gotta have me to live this Jesus life through me so that I remember that this life is not all there is. There's an eternity to follow. And the choices I make here impact eternity. I can only do that when I'm yielded to the Spirit who lives in me, who wants me to live that way because that's the Jesus life. And so it's only by relying on the power of the Spirit in us that we're enabled to truly live in light of eternity. Because life is just so daily, isn't it? I mean, you get up in the morning, you check the weather, you throw a bowl of cereal together, you get dressed, you go to work, you work hard, you go to lunch, you go back to work, you come home, you eat mac and cheese or whatever, you know. I mean, just 
watch your TV, whatever, you know, it's just so daily, and, and in this daily routine, we can forget. It's like we're eternal beings living on an eternal mission. It's one reason it's good to be in church, just to be reminded, oh yeah, that's right. There's more to this life than this life. And so would you in this moment respond to what the Spirit is saying to you right now? I know for me, responding often means repenting. For me, repenting of allowing myself to be consumed only with this life. Repenting of my failure to prioritize my relationship with God. Repenting of letting other pursuits overshadow that pursuit, chasing after God. Repenting of neglecting his word, repenting of using people for my purposes instead of loving people with the love of Christ. I find myself repenting a lot. Some of you may hear the Spirit calling you to repent of using your money for all sorts of things that aren't going to last forever instead of investing in God's eternal work or maybe repenting of not thinking much about the eternal souls of the people that you know and love jesus shed his blood for such things didn't he may we always let his sacrifice for us spur us on to repentance followed by glad obedience to christ so bow with me in prayer would you Father, may your Holy Spirit in this moment speak to everyone in this room. Show us the true condition of our hearts, the true focus of our thoughts. Lord, where repentance is needed, please grant it. Lord, for those among us who live this way, thank you for their example. May we follow them as they follow Christ. Forgive us, Lord, for loving money and using people instead of using money and loving people. Lord, I think in this room right now, you're calling many to love someone, to forgive, to let it go, take a a step of initiative towards another person who they've been estranged from, been apart from. May your spirit in us be strong and do a mighty work in us, Lord. May today have an impact 100 billion years from now because of the work that you're doing in us. Grant us the grace of living the Jesus life beyond us, Lord, but your spirit lives within us. And we want to say with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. May that be true of all of us today. Give us your grace to respond as you would have us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.